Good evening. Welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent on this Christmas Eve. We are a diverse spiritual community gathering once again as we seek to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, whomever you love, no matter your age or gender, social location, your economic status, political or spiritual beliefs, we welcome you. As Unitarian Universalists, we light a flame within a chalice as a symbol of sanctuary and safety, to unite us in our worship, as a sign of life's beauty and wonder, and to remind us of our ongoing search for the light of truth within us and among us. This evening, we also light our chalice to welcome Christmas. Our chalice lighter is Sophie. Would you join me now in the words for lighting the chalice, which are in your order of service? As a sign of our covenant, one to another, as a symbol of the season's message of love and hope, as a witness to the light of truth within and among us, with a joyful spirit on this silent and holy night, we kindle our Christmas flame.
once upon a time, about 30 to 35 years ago, I was not who I am today, especially with regard to Christmas. Back then, as a new wife and then a new mother several years later, I was the Martha Stewart of Christmas. I was more Martha than Martha. From Thanksgiving on, each day was planned out on the calendar with to-dos. The tree, of course, had to be up and decorated to the nines by the first week of December. The Christmas village was displayed on the mantle and spilled over onto the piano. The Spode Christmas tree china was out. Cards were done and mailed by December 10th. Packages were to the post office by December 15th. Baking began exactly one week ahead with at least 12 varieties. It had to be even, of course. (laughs) There were the perfect gifts that were chosen and perfectly wrapped in just the right paper for each recipient. You get the idea. (laughs) And then after over a decade or more of obsessing over holiday perfection, one Christmas afternoon, I was so exhausted and miserable. All I could think of was wanting the day to be over with, done and over with. There was no joy, no pleasure, no satisfaction, only fatigue. As I lay in bed that afternoon trying to take a nap, I knew something had to change. Someone had to change. On the day after Christmas, at the sales, which of course I never missed in planning for next Christmas, I was saved. Saved by a Christmas card. This card. I will not ever use the last one of that box. On it is written a litany of to-dos that have little to do with the material, commercial, or even the religious aspects of Christmas, but they have everything to do with heart. This Christmas, mend a quarrel Seek out a forgotten friend. Write a love letter. Share some treasure. Give a soft answer. Encourage youth. Keep a promise. Find the time. Forgive an enemy. Listen. Apologize if you were wrong. Think first of someone else. 
be kind and gentle. Laugh a little. Laugh a little more. Express your gratitude. Gladden the heart of a child. Take pleasure in the beauty and wonder of the earth. Speak your love. Speak it again. Speak it still once again. This evening as we celebrate the wonder and mystery of Christmas, we have the opportunity to share the spirit of Christmas in the Kent community and beyond through our generosity. Our special collection this evening will benefit the Community Action Council Emergency Energy Conservation Fund, which is a local agency that provides residents of Portage County assistance with weatherizing their homes in order to reduce energy costs. The Community Action Council also provides a number of other services and assistance, including emergency utility assistance, after-school programs, and education opportunities. And now, grateful for all the abundance we have, with glad hearts to share our treasure, and knowing our gifts do make a difference in the world, let us give and receive the offering as a sign of our shared commitment to the life and work of this congregation and beyond. Will the ushers please come forward?
first reading is the story of the birth of Jesus as told in the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of God stood before them and the glory of the heavens shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for I bring you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David a child who is the anointed one. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom God favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see what has taken place this which has been made known to us. So they went quickly and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When the shepherds saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. The second reading is the story of the birth of Jesus from the Quran, the sacred text of the Islam faith, and it's found in the Maryam Sutra, or teaching. Muslims consider Jesus one of a long line of prophets and teachers. Here's the story. Withdrawing at dawn to a solitary room facing east, Mary contemplated the source of beauty during the beautiful desert sunrise. The source of light manifested to her through an intensely luminous and exalted human form. Startled from her prayerful concentration, she exclaimed, may the all-merciful one protect me from this enigmatic being. The angelic form responded, blessed Mary, I am but a servant and messenger of Allah most high. Allah sent me to confirm that you will bear a holy child of unsurpassable purity. Mary replied, how can I give birth having lived in perfect virginity? The brilliant emissary from the source of light explained, my beloved Mary, the source of power can manifest whatever is needed to guide humanity. Whatever is affirmed by the source of being effortlessly comes to be. Through your spontaneously conceived child, the source of truth will confirm the truth of the Holy Torah. So Mary, touched then by a ray of divine light directly from the source of light, instantly conceived. 
She withdrew to a secret oasis, remaining secluded there in solitary prayer until the time came for the child to be delivered. The contractions overcame her beside the trunk of a palm tree. The baby was delivered swiftly. Shocked and overwhelmed by this miraculous nativity, the Holy Mother cried out, Would that I had perished in the desert and my body had never been found. But a voice cried, Mary, you have no reason to sorrow or fear. The source of love has manifested beside you a spring of fresh water. If you shake the palm, ripe dates will fall at your feet. So eat, drink, be comforted in perfect silence by the boundless mercy of Allah. Still wrapped in the higher plane of spiritual vision, she bore home in her arms this child of light. Shocked by the sight of her unwedded motherhood, her family protested, Daughter of flawless lineage, none of your ancestors has transgressed the holy way of life. Why have you committed this immoral action? Mary, serene now in her silent submission to the source of love, quietly indicated that her family should question the radiant child in her arms. Still more shocked, they cried, Mary, have you gone mad? How can we converse with a newborn baby? Thereupon the infant Jesus spoke in sweet, dear tones, look carefully, you will see and I will, and will understand that I am the most devoted servant and faithful messenger of Allah Most High. Allah Most Merciful has empowered me to pray unceasingly and to offer loving service and spiritual illumination to all beings.
The third reading is a poem by Hope Hilton. It was a tiny baby that lay there, so frail and helpless in the warm and fragrant hay, so completely at the mercy of people and things. The noisy, cruel world outside was filled with heartaches and oppression, intrigue and treachery. But within, the loving gaze of peasant parents gave promise of comfort and safety. Friendly people came to smile upon him and offer their gifts. The child grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, for his parents had trained him well in religion as well as vocation. He became a teacher philosopher, influencing the lives of paupers and kings. But some people hated him. Others called him the hope of the world. The Christmas story is ever reenacted in our midst. A newborn child is laid in a cradle to be nurtured and guided into adulthood. What it sees, hears, feels, it becomes. The environment molds it into a noble, kindly, upright person or an unhappy, perhaps tragic caricature of a human being. This message of Christmas is always with us. Every child in every cradle is potentially the hope of the world. Our fourth reading by the Reverend Victoria Safford is called A Mind of Winter. Maybe none of it was real. The virgin, the donkey, the shepherds, the star. Maybe none of it is real. But much of it rings true. Not the doctrine, but the mystery. Not the miracles, but the empirical, undeniable evidence. Tyrants are always persecuting the poor, demanding their documents and proof of citizenship. Rich governments are always closing their borders against aliens from Nazareth and Bethlehem and Guatemala and hunting down young upstarts who threaten revolution. Poor women are always and forever asked to bear unspeakable burdens, to accept the burden as a virtue and suffer like saints. And somewhere, almost always, someone is opening their door in the night and saying, I have room for you, come in. Sometimes wise men and wise women choose not to be complicit and bring forth lovely gifts instead of treachery. And people have always been wandering, wandering under the stars. We still are, whether listening for trumpets of angels or the wailing of babies or the whisper of wind breathing into our cynical ears and ice cold hearts the hope of peace on earth, goodwill restored. Have you heard the expression, gorilla Christmas pageant? When I heard it for the first time, I had a vision of Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the little drummer boy 
running around in black ski masks shouting, Viva la Revolution. I wanted to see shepherds and angels marching together, chanting, we are the 99%. This is what democracy looks like, climate change, science-based, and other words of defiance. It turns out that a gorilla Christmas pageant is a no-rehearse sort of event, but I like my version better. It sounds subversive, like Christmas itself. Yes, Christmas is subversive. Does that seem a strange thing to say on this very special night? A night where the stars dance in the sky with joy, the angels sing, and we gather to celebrate with readings and songs the gift of a child. A baby boy, born over 2,000 years ago just outside the holy city of Jerusalem. It was a night of miracle and mystery for the many characters that witnessed it. Shepherds who were filled with fear and then wonder, the animals, sheep, cows, donkeys, doves, the baby's parents, Mary and Joseph, a brilliant star that would lead wise men who brought rare and costly gifts for the child. All may seem calm and bright, but when you look a little deeper, Christmas turns everything upside down. It begins well before Jesus' birth with the Magnificat, the song Mary sang upon learning she was carrying a holy child. She sings that the lowly will be raised and the mighty brought down, the hungry given good things and the rich sent away with nothing. As the story unfolds in the Gospel of Luke, we learn that Mary is an unwed mother and Joseph is a doubt-filled father. Jesus is a king descended from kings. He's not born in a palace, though, but in a humble stable. Angels, who are God's fierce warriors, fill the sky singing of peace on earth and goodwill to all. The idea of peace itself is revolutionary in a time when the Romans ruled Israel and Roman peace was anything but peaceful. Even the rumor of rebellion would be put down with brutal force. In the Quran story you heard, the baby is a prophet speaking words of truth to the world before he's even able to walk. Hope Hilton tells us that the child grew in wisdom to become a teacher philosopher who influenced the lives of both kings and the poor. He brought a radical message that was so powerful, so timeless, that we still tell his story and find hope in its promise of a world where peace and justice is possible. Christmas is also subversive because as my colleague Kendall Gibbons says, no matter the circumstances, even if the world around you is at war, even if you are living in fear and danger and oppression, Christmas still comes. You can't stop a day like that with a little hardship or greed or injustice. It will show up anyway, shining the light of its midnight star into the darkest places of our collective lives. Good thing, too. We need Christmas more than ever this year. There's war, cruelty, greed. Our hearts are broken time and time again by the stories of violence, mass shootings every day, people of color being murdered in the streets. Rich governments are always closing their borders against the aliens from Nazareth and Bethlehem and Guatemala. And young upstarts who threaten revolution are being hunted down. Our democracy is dying. In our own lives, this may be a hard time of year for many of us because of the loss of loved ones or the long, dark nights or the demands and expectations of the holidays. 
All of us have experienced difficulties, heartaches, and disappointments this year. All of these problems and struggles and worries can turn even the most generous spirited of us into Mr. Scrooge. When a store clerk wished me a Merry Christmas this weekend after I waited in line a little too long, I snarled and said, you mean happy holidays, don't you? And as if Christmas needed to make a point, a song started playing in that store. You're a mean one, Mr. Green. <laughs> Welcome, Christmas. We need you more than ever. We need the world to be turned upside down by your radical message of peace on earth and goodwill to all. We need to hear once again the song of the angels, watch the stars dance in the sky, and welcome the birth of hope once again. We need you to remind us that even in the darkest moments of our lives, we are still surrounded by beauty and wonder, that even though grief seems overwhelming, we will feel joy again, that love ultimately has the final word, hope and possibility cannot and will not be denied, and when every child is born, the universe is crying out, this changes everything. My colleague Beth Cooper Davis invites us to attend to this birth, this story, to this child, to the hope and possibility that the story of his coming represent to us each year. Let us begin to help the world nurture and nourish its own potential for peace, for justice, and for a new way. She goes on, as Unitarian Universalists, we don't sit around hoping and waiting for a savior, but I don't think we fully awaken to the truth the Savior, the coming of light and hope, the learning and teaching of a new way, the bringing of balance and love, that's us. It's up to us to bring light and hope to the world, which is the true work of Christmas. African-American theologian Howard Thurman wrote, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with the flocks, then the real work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to bring peace to all, to make music in the heart. On this holy night, we are invited once again to say yes to the invitation of Christmas, to turn the world upside down, to open our door in the night and say, I have room for you, come in. To be those wise people who choose not to be complicit in treachery or oppression, but instead share our gifts. Welcome Christmas. Open our hearts to the song that calls each of us to join the bold, holy movement to bring about heaven here on earth. Help us to be a light in the world that drives the darkness of despair of injustice, of hopelessness, away. Draw us into your timeless story and challenge us to dedicate ourselves to revolutionary love, which is the real meaning and work of Christmas. May it be so. And in the spirit of love that is Christmas, together may we dedicate our lives to making it so. Now, it's time to share the light and the hope of Christmas with one another.
These are the words of Howard Thurman. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, then the real work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace to all, to make music in the heart. And now filled with light and hope, blessed by the wonder and beauty of this holy night and renewed by the warmth and love of this community, may we go forth in peace and in joy to do the real work of Christmas as we inspire love, seek justice, and grow in community. May it be so. Blessed be and amen and Merry Christmas.